We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for 41209. 4209. And uh, we're going to start a new series now. I've got gotten several requests to do a study on this Twilight Saga. It's all the rage in with teenagers, um, I particularly I know in America, probably elsewhere as well. And um, I'm going to read you some of the letters I've gotten, just a sampling, so you can understand. You know, I, I got this last one, and I said, finally, I said, that tears it. I've got to bump this up and do a study on this, because I'm just getting way too many requests. And you'll see why, um, as I read these, why this was more of a kind of a burden that I had to do this and do it, kind of get it out there quickly. This is from um, Yvonne. She says, Hi, Scott. I'm a Christian mom of teenage daughters, 16 and 17. One of them is really drawn into the Twilight books and movies and soundtracks because of her friends. I did not allow her to read or watch the movie because I believe the spirit behind it was from the enemy. But she told me that her Christian friend's father, a pastor in an apostolic church, encouraged his daughter to read all the Twilight books. Now, see, when I see something like that, and I see these big ministers up there, and this and that, and, and I see what, a lot of times what they don't talk about. It's, I, I, sometimes it's not so much what they say, it's what they never say. It's what they don't say. That they should be talking about. How they should be reproving and exposing the unfruitful works of darkness and having no fellowship with them. They don't talk about that. Type. This guy, who's in an apostolic church, has such wonderful discernment that he is actually encouraging his daughter, as a pastor, to read the Twilight books about a vampire and a, a girl, and this vampiric coven that he's in. Now that's discernment for you. He, she says, then it goes on to say, well, I am angry at so much deception on the spiritual level by a pastor, but it is creeping into the church. I would like to know if you've done any teachings on the Twilight books, or if you could bring this one up in one of your podcasts. And again, this was the last straw for me, this letter. I was like, okay, that's, I don't need to, the, the Holy Spirit can, can convict me to do a particular study, and that was, this was the last one I needed to see. And then it says, it would help me and my girls immensely since I feel I fight alone against this tide of darkness where I live. There is so much deception, as you said, in many of your podcasts. It is building up and we need to be equipped to deal with it. But a lot of Christian friends do not understand or are willing. Well, again, they're willingly ignorant. And the Bible talks about that. To this fact, they are willingly ignorant. And we're going to be looking at a lot of Bible verses today, too, that relate to this subject. We need to educate in spiritual discernment, which I have done with my girls in the past. But I feel that the world has a stronger grip on them than ever before. So regarding the Twilight series... What are the hidden agendas? And why are so many Christians reading and watching it? And we're going to get into that in depth. Here's another letter. Because uh, I had mentioned this in a previous study. And she said, yes, I agree. An expose on the Twilight series, unfortunately, would be a very needed thing. Last semester at a homeschool co-op. Now remember that, homeschool co-op. I saw young ladies holding these books, reading them in their spare time between classes. Now, usually the homeschool movement is one of the more biblically correct movements, you know, as far as Christian schools in America. Homeschoolers 
holding on to these books and reading them in their spare time between classes. Here's another email. Do you have any information or would consider checking into this following crave taking place among young people and adults? The Twilight series. My husband and I were walking around Walmart last night while buying groceries and everywhere you look, there's Twilight advertising. And I'll, I'll just interject something here. I had went into Books a Million a little while back. And, I mean, first thing I walk in the door, it's like the center display right in your face right when you walk in there. And then there's all these other vampiric books they're, they're promoting as well right there. I thought, man, this is unbelievable. And I've gotten, I've seen more and more of these things, and that's why I've done, really felt convicted to do this study. And again, this is like a vampire craze. People obsessed with darkness and wickedness. Their minds are dark, darkened. They want to dwell on wickedness. And a lot of them call themselves Christians. But this couple was walking around Walmart, buying groceries, and they saw the Twilight advertising everywhere. The series is about, quote, good vampires, and we saw numerous people with them in their baskets to purchase. We went over to the display and we planted tracks inside the books for sale. Hey, that's a great idea. <coughs> Excuse me. I've done that many times in the past myself. Um, and then, after that, even some of the people at a local church that we used to attend, we don't attend there anymore, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit instructed us to get out. I've been there before, too. But some people at a local church we used to attend are so excited about this series of books. They look at it like it's so innocent. Just like people talking about Harry Potter being so innocent. So please let us know if you have any information or you could do a study on this. So these are some of the emails I've gotten. Um, just to let you know the gravity of this particular series. This was uh, from March 23rd. It says, Summit, which is a company, sells 3 million Twilight DVDs. They've got this movie out now. Just on Saturday. Three million DVDs they sold of Twilight on one day, Saturday. Over three million DVD units sold, Twilight enters the top five best first day DVD releases over the past two years, along with Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Now, remember when I keep telling you, and I've done a whole study on this, entitled, The Coming One World Witchcraft, The Coming One World Religion. The essence of at particularly at the higher levels of most false religions, is, is witchcraft. But it's going to be outward, essentially witchcraft, is going to be the essence of the coming one world religion, the new world order, the new age. The new age religion is witchcraft. And again, what do we see are the number one best sellers in, regarding movies? We've got Twilight, about good vampires, pure occultism and witchcraft. Harry Potter, The Order of the Phoenix. I've done a whole series on Harry Potter. You can key that in the search box. So, the author of Twilight. Okay, let's look at her a little bit. Stephanie Meyer. Meyer grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, and was one of six children. Uh, she met her husband, Christian, in high school, but they did not marry until after they graduated, after she graduated from Brigham Young University. Brigham Young. Remember I did that study in the Mormons? You can access that as well. Just key in Mormons. Brigham Young. What a wicked devil. 
<laughs> Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, all those guys. Ugh. Anyway, Meyer has three sons. She is a Mormon. Now, that does play into her writings, and we'll see that later. Stephanie Meyer's movie, a movie adapted of a movie adaptation of The Twilight was released in November of 2008. The sequel, which is called New Moon, is scheduled for release in fall of 2009. Now, I went up on some of these sites where there's all these fan sites for this Twilight. It's an absolute, the rage of the internet now. And on this one site, it had this countdown until, I mean, it was like down to the second until when this New Moon show was going to be released. Oh, the countdown's begun. It's only, you know, 48,000 or, what you know, whatever they said. It was counting down by the second. And it was really weird. It was, this site was called Twilight, the, the Black and Red Bible. Now, I couldn't, I couldn't, I searched the site extensively to find out what was this Black and Red Bible that they were in reference to. But it's probably their version of the Bible. And you see that a lot now. Um, there's a lot of occultic shows that, you know, say they're going to have their own their own Bible. It's going to be the next gospel. And I mean that literally. And a lot of, and most of the time when you see this, it's channeling. Just like Alice Bailey channeled all those books that Lord Maitreya heavily promotes. Well, what are the channel? It's straight from demons. So this is their version of their gospel, of their Bible. And you're, I'm seeing that. You're going to see Twilight is totally channeled. This is a totally channeled work by a devil. So if you're having any doubts about, oh, it's just harmless good fun, understand. And this, Stephanie Meyer admits this, and we're going to get into this later. This whole series was channeled through devils and demons. She wrote it down. She did not think of this. These were channeling things that came into her head and she wrote them down as they came into her head, just like Alice Bailey did on all those decades of years. She wrote all those channel books that Devil Betrayal promotes and a lot of high-level occultists promote. They're demon-possessed and these demons come into them and through the process of many times of automatic writing where they're basically sitting there and their hands moving and they're just on automatic pilot, and or channeling where they're actually hearing the voice in their head telling them, it's telling them what to write, it's how they're writing this. So understand, this is pure wickedness from the pit of hell. This is a seducing spirit in doctrines of devils, and if you go and you set yourself under this, and you go to the movies and you buy the books, you're bringing cursed objects into your house, you buy the DVDs, you go to the movies and you see this, don't think it's not going to affect you in a very demonic and negative way. I want to state that right up front. And I'm going to prove all of this. So what does actually, what does Stephanie Meyer, the author, what does she say about human beings? What does she think about humans in general? Well, in, now, I've got, I'm going to have this all up in PDF. I got this from many, many different sources that were quoting her. So I'm not making this stuff up. This source is from In Love With Death. The Twilight of American Fiction. That's what it, this is entitled. It's a national review by Gina D'Alfonso. And it's called In Love with Death. Meyer claimed to be anti-human on her own website. This is the relevant quote from this article from D'Alfonso. And it says, 
Meyer, now this is on, um, this is a quote from Meyer. Meyer once retorted to critics who, who accused her of misogyny. That's what it's called, misogyny. What is misogyny? Misogyny is hatred or contempt for women or girls. It is a parallel to misandry, which is a hatred of men or boys. Misogyny is also comparable with misanthropy, which is hatred of humanity in general. I didn't even know what these terms were. I, I looked them up, and it was obvious what they were. Here's what Myers quoted as saying. I am not anti-female. I am anti-human. Whether she was aware of it or not, this was far more than just a flippant remark. Just like the allegedly positive messages about romance and sexuality, any value that Meyer has, her characters, place on human life is only on the surface. In other words, this woman doesn't care about human life at all. And if you're guided by that type of theology and thinking, do you think their writings are going to be pure? Do you think those writings are going to lead you nowhere but to the pit of hell? She doesn't care about humanity. She's in love with death. That's if you're if you're obsessed with vampiric things, you're in love with death. If you're a goth, you you know you dress up in black and you drive a hearse and you do all you have all the the dark you know uh, paint your face white so you can look like a corpse and wear that dark makeup. You're in love with death. You're in love with the fallen angel Azrael. Did you know that was the name of the angel of death, Azrael? Oh, yeah. That's one angel I have seen, personally, at the foot of my bed. I, t- I gave that testimony before. It only happened to me one time. And I cried out in the name of Jesus Christ, and that thing evaporated instantaneously. Only time I've ever seen a spirit in my life. And I gave, I gave testimony in that in previous... If you key up testimony in my keyword search box on my homepage... You can, you can hear about that. I don't want to get into that. But that's what the angel of death is, Azrael. It will typically appear as a shadow and or a grim reaper like you've seen. I'm not making this up. This is actually how, when it will manifest, and it can, it will, it will manifest in these ways if it makes itself known. Or it will manifest as a skeleton. Guess what? The number 13 card of the tarot card is the death card. Guess what that card is? A skeleton on a horse. The death card. Azrael. These people are obsessed with the angel of death. Just a little side note there. Going further, you see the evidence of this worldview in books, after, especially after Bella, who is the female character in the show, is turned into a vampire. Bella eventually goes to the dark side. For example... Um, this is one of her books. See, this is, a, I believe, a four-book series. See the book, her book in the Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn, page 469, where she contrasts her prior human face, her, her prior hideous human face, with her new glorious immortal vampire face. Now, we're going to see how this is a total mockery of Christianity, particularly becoming a born-again Christian. We're going we're gonna to look at that in depth, how this is an absolute... I really hadn't thought about that a lot until I read a couple of these articles. I said, yeah, this really is a total mockery of the Lord Jesus Christ and the blood He shed at the cross of Calvary to pay our sin debt, to save our souls. 
Here's a movie review, Twilight, giving heed to fables. This is by Pastor Bill Randalls. And this starts out by saying, Why Twilight is spiritually fatal, and what it shows about the state of Christian youth. 2 Timothy 4.4 4. They will turn away their ears from truth and be turned unto fa- aside unto fables. That's a mark of the end times. We're going to be looking at a lot of Bible verses after this article. If someone would have told me, and this is this pastor talking, if someone would have told me 25 years ago that one day a popular series of vampire romance books would be accepted and promoted by e- evangelical ministries, I would have not been able to believe it. That is why I was shocked to read the article by Christian documentarian and researcher Carol Matriciano and Paul Villanueva, which documents the glowing reviews of the occult book series, glowing reviews of this occult book series, by such evangelical publications as Campus Life, Focus on the Family, Christianity Today, Christian Teen, and Stay at Stay at Home Mom Magazine. Stay at Home Mom Homeschool Magazine. No wonder those girls were reading those home, and the homeschoolers were reading the books. They had the endorsement. All gave glowing testimonials, and some even suggested that the Twilight series could become the basis for Bible discussions and studies. Yeah, to expose it. <laughs> no, they're drawing parallels between the Twilight series, particularly between this Edward vampire and Jesus Christ. We're going we're gonna to look at this. This is how insane the world is, particularly the church. He goes on to say, my purpose isn't to merely echo Carol Matriciano and Paul uh, Paul Villanueva's excellent article exposing the occult top scoop of the book series. Rather, I have a burden to show you why I believe that this literature could have a completely soul-deadening effect on those who are morbidly fascinated by its dark vision. First of all, consider what the vampire movement really is. Nothing less than an obscene parody of the precious gift of God, which is eternal life through the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And by the gift of His blood offered to God for us in the cross of Calvary, to God, blood is sacred. Those who drink it are an utter abomination to Him because of what the blood represents. Now, I'm going to go over all the Bible verses that get into the consuming of blood, and there's many of them in the Bible. More of them than I'm even going to go over. But the Bible has much to say about consuming blood. And none of it's good. All a warning. We obtain eternal life by accepting, in faith, the offering of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, termed precious by God, as a lamb without blemish and without spot, according to 1 Peter 1.19. In the pagan myth, vampires are those who obtain immortality by drinking others' blood. I never thought of it that way. But it is true. They, they have to live by drinking others' blood. But it can't be. It has to be over and over. It's like the Catholic Church. They have to continually re-sacrifice Jesus on the cross. And through the process of transubstantiation, they believe the priest has the literal power to turn the wine and the, and the um, Catholic communion host into the literal blood and body of Jesus Christ. So he's continually re-sacrificed because they don't believe Jesus Christ when he says it is finished. They have to continually keep redoing that because they're earning their way to heaven through works. And this is part of the works process. 
this immortality they gain is literally a damned existence, though, this, the, on the vampire end. Okay? They live in the night. They cannot endure light. They feed on the blood of the innocent. Far from just harmless thrill, vampirism is the basis for all sorts of pagan spiritualities. Drinking blood and blood sacrifice is an everyday reality among occultists all over the world. Now, particularly looking at the last study that we just did on pedophilia, child pornography, I, I don't see why that should be anything that you know would surprise us. Looking at the depravity that we've just seen, the vampire fable is nothing less than an all-out assault on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Consider this. A young person can go to a theater on a Saturday evening and vicariously fall in love with a vampire and his coven family. Now, particularly a coven is typically 13 occultists, witches. In this case, it's 13 vampires. Okay, Remember, 13, the number of rebellion. And then... They go to this uh, the uh, movie on Saturday night, and then they go to church on Sunday morning and partake of the Lord's Supper. That same person on Saturday could, could conceivably root for the girl to forfeit her own mortal soul, to be the lover of a vampire, and the next morning go to church and eat the bread and drink the cup of, of eternal life. Can one eat both the Lord's table and the table of demons? Did you know that this book series was given to a Mormon woman in a dream? And that she was visited in subsequent dreams by the vampire figure in person? It's channeled. The whole book is channeled. Some of it she was awake for. Some of it came to her in dreams. This woman's demon-possessed to the toenails. She's a Mormon. She's in a false religion. A works-based false religion cult. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10.21, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of devils. Now, here's another thing. The Bible also says to not partake of the Lord's Supper unworthily, for many have fallen asleep that have done there. And that word fallen asleep in the King James Bible means they've died. And it says many are sickly among you. Why? Because you have partaken of the Lord's Supper unworthily. That's why the Bible says to examine yourself prior to taking the Lord's Supper which is biblical, okay? It doesn't save us, but it is a biblical ordinance to do. Just like baptism, okay? But we don't partake of it on work. We examine ourselves prior to doing that, confessing our sins. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what the Bible says. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And I understand the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us of our sins, but we need to confess them. We need, we need to confess them to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and repent of them. And if, you, and if you feel as though you're lacking, ask the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask, give me strength to truly repent. And there's much more that could be said about that, but I just wanted to touch on that. Going further, it says, Ah, but pastor, it is only a movie. Lighten up. This is what some people would say to him. But this is more than a movie. It is, a, it is paganism, which is a perversion of the only gospel that can save us. The movie presents vampires as being attractive. as how they're always presented in these movies. I mean, that one movie they had, Interview with the Vampire, had Brad Pitt and what, Tom Cruise in the same movie? You know? but they're presented as being attractive. In fact, so attractive that the young lady in the story is willing to become a vampire to be with her lover. 
In order to be with her vampire lover, she submits to being an eternally damned soul. This movie skillfully plays on the emotions in such a way that the viewer pulls for the mortal young woman to be with her, quote, lover, a 110-year-old vampire in the form of an attractive, well-mannered teenager. But he's 110 years old. He's just taking a lot of antioxidants and he's doing all the right things. You know, he's getting growth hormone injections and taking the antioxidants. So he's on the anti-aging routine. No, just kidding. Sorry. Teasing. But yeah, he's 110 years old. Old Gramps looks pretty good for 110. Going further, what the popularity of the film, even among evangelical youth, says about the state of the church is that we have forgotten what we once knew very well. That is, you can fill your mind with all this paganism without injuring your relationship with God. You can't fill your mind. Okay? Remember, as a man thinketh, so is he. That's what the Bible says. If this is what you dwell on, that is what you're going to become. We know that it is very possible to jade ourselves by constant undiscerning exposure to worldliness that we render ourselves unable to pray or to hear the word of God or to live for God. And that's exactly what Satan wants. We once knew that to voluntarily voluntarily expose ourselves to blasphemy and sexual sin, not to mention something as blatantly spiritual, unscriptural as vampirism, was something to be shunned, avoided, and that it was soul-deadening and injurious to our Christian walk. We once knew that. Okay. Another thing the popularity of this show, movie shows is the loss of the sense of the sacred among Christians. Paul warned the Christians in Ephesus to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but to rather reprove them. We're going to look at that verse in a little bit more in depth in a couple minutes here. Where is the sense of sacred? The idea of the sacred is that there are some things in life that are that are other, they are above us. They are not to be profaned. For they are above us. For example, marriage is sacred. So is sexuality um, in the marriage bed. As well as life itself. The purity of children is to be held sacred. And that is why there is a special warning for any of those that would cause them to stumble. The gospel itself is sacred. I believe that twilight is a direct assault on the gospel, an obscene parody of the good news of salvation, the salvation we we obtain by partaking of the precious blood of Jesus Christ, offered as a sacrifice for us. Jesus is the one who has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. I don't believe it is possible to read or enjoy twilight without spiritual defilement. Amen. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Of course, we must remember, if we confess our sins, he is faithful faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins. That's what cleanses us from all sins. And that's the very, it's it's a mockery of that, this whole vampire series. That's 1 John 179. Now, I'm going to read a whole bunch of verses now that relate to this, so you can also see this, and I'll make sure these are part of the PDF. If you read the PDF, this isn't going to necessarily be in order. Okay, The verses are more near the top. But Genesis 9.4. They only quote one verse in here about eating blood. I found tons. I mean, there's all kinds of verses. Uh, and you need to be aware of this when you prepare meat as well. You need to make sure the blood's out of the meat. And I've given, I even did a study on this where I mentioned this once. Um, uh, salt and vinegar will purge 
impurities and blood out of meat. If you grill something and you have a little bit of, uh, you, you've, whether it's um, chicken is not really, you, that's not as um, risky, I guess, for getting blood. But if, if you even soak you know, chicken in that in a salt and vinegar mixture, if you prepare even a steak or ground beef, you can put a little bit of vinegar. I like to use the organic um, vinegar that's not been heat treated, like Bragg's apple cider vinegar is very good. You put that in the meat with some salt, and I'm telling you, it tastes awesome. It makes the meat taste better, but it will purge impurities out of the meat as you prepare it. The best way to do it is to grill it. Broiling it is a good way. Uh, frying it can be done, but you kind of have to drain. If there's blood in the meat, you need to drain that off between the thing. It's harder to get the blood out of the meat when you're frying it, but it, I believe it can be done. Um, anyway, just some hints there. Genesis 9.4, But the flesh of the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. The flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof. See, the blood is the life of the body. I mean, it's it's what gives us life. You're not supposed to eat that. Exodus 12.7 And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the house, wherein they shall eat it. And they were talking about the sacrifice there. They're, they're not eating the blood. Okay. Um, but that was the, um, the Passover. Okay. And that was symbolic of the perfect lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. And when they did this, the death angel, we just talked about him, passed over their house. The angel of death passed over their house. And it didn't um, kill the firstborn male child, and that was in Egypt, in Pharaoh, and the whole Moses Red Sea crossing prior to that. Leviticus 3.17, It shall be a perpetual statute for, for your generations throughout all your dwellings that ye eat neither fat nor blood. Now, this is something that um, God said to the Jews, part of their dietary guidelines. Now, I've done a whole teaching on this, the wisdom of the Leviticus, Levitical dietary guidelines. did a teaching on this. And the fallacy of the Hallelujah diet as well, which a lot of people say, oh, we got to be like George Malcolmus and eat only vegetables and vegetarians. That's not, that's not biblical. That is totally not biblical. At one time it was prior to the flood, but it's not now. And I can prove I can prove that biblically. But he has to ignore a lot of Bible verses in order to justify that position. I think I incorporated those two teachings. Well, no, I didn't. Levitical diet, that's a separate teaching. Hallelujah diet's another one you can key in a keyword search. Find that. Um, so anyway, but it's a... He, the Bible says in Leviticus 3.17, it's a perpetual statute for your generations throughout all your dwellings. That means it's, it's in effect today. Now, this isn't a matter of salvation, but this is a matter of defiling physically your temple. That you eat neither fat nor blood. Okay? Again, you don't want to eat a big piece of fat. I mean, who'd want to do that? You know? But the blood is, is the main thing. Now, also, it, it even gets into this uh, in the New Testament where it talks about that you don't eat blood. Okay, that's what they actually mention in the New Testament. Leviticus 7.26, Moreover, you shall eat no manner of blood, whether it be of the fowl or of the beast, in any of your dwellings. You just don't do it. Why would anybody want to do it? It's gross. 
Leviticus 12, 17, 12. Therefore I said unto you, children of Israel, no, no soul of you shall eat blood, neither shall any stranger that sojourneth among you eat blood. Well, that was to the Old Testament Levitical Jews. You're telling me that wouldn't apply today, just like they told the Old Testament Levitical Jews that sodomy was an abomination, man, and that men shall not lie with men, and women shall not lie with women, and it's an abomination. Those are moral laws. Okay, those are moral laws. Then they have the ceremonial laws, which wouldn't necessarily apply to a New Testament Christian. Like, having your beard a certain way, and, and making sure you don't cross clothing fibers, you know, these types of ceremonial laws that were given to, to the Levitical um, Old Testament Jews. There's moral laws, though, that are just common sense, and this would be more along the moral lines, uh, or, or the Levitical dietary guidelines, which there's a lot of wisdom in that. God, I mean, it has to do with, like, not eating bottom-feeding fish, and, and or, or crustaceans, and things that, um, pigs... Things that, that tend to be scavengers and bottom feeders, you know you are what you eat. And if you eat that b- bottom feeder or that scavenger, then you're putting um, a form of meat or flesh in your system that is not going to benefit you. Ultimately, it will have detrimental health effects. <clears throat> now again, we're not under the law, but there's wisdom there regarding those, those dietary guidelines. Uh, let's see here. Going further, Leviticus 17, 14. Um, For it is the life of all flesh, the blood of it is the life thereof. Therefore I said unto you, children of Israel, ye shall not eat the blood of no manner of flesh, for the life of all flesh is the blood thereof. Whatsoever eateth, whosoever eateth it shall be cut off. It was a big deal to be cut off from, from the Israel. Leviticus 19.26. Now, notice what this eating of blood is tied with here. Leviticus 19.26 says, Ye shall not eat anything with the blood, neither shall ye use enchantment, nor observe times. What's observing times? Like horoscope, astrology. It's forbidden, it's witchcraft. But I read my horoscope every morning. Well, don't do it, it's witchcraft. wonder why your prayers aren't getting answered. Something as simple as that could be totally hindering your prayer life. Um, the Bible talks about, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Okay, so uh, I believe that's Psalm 66, verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So, something that you could do to get your prayers not answered. Again, we can be destroyed for lack of knowledge. Well, I didn't know about it. Well, sorry, you were being destroyed for lack of knowledge in a certain way, or hindered at bare minimum. But isn't it amazing that this eating of the blood is tied in with the observing of times, which is witchcraft, astrology, and neither using enchantment. Now, that's just flat-out witchcraft. Why? It's tied together. Why do you think Satanists drink blood? Why do you think they love the blood of humans? And, and the, the more innocent, the better, because they're actually believing that they're vampirizing innocence. The life force of that baby or that human sacrifice, they're vampirizing it when they drink that blood. Man, you've got to be demon-possessed to do something like that. Ezekiel 33.25, Wherefore say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Ye shall eat, ye eat with the blood, and lift up your eyes toward idols. Notice what eating of blood is associated with. Now think of this with the vampirism. That's all they eat. It's what they subsist off. 
Ye eat the blood, and you lift up your eyes toward idols, and shed blood, and ye shall possess, and ye shall, and shall ye possess the land? In other words, he's saying, you eat with the blood, you lift up your eyes toward idols, and you shed blood, and you think you're going to possess the land? And he says, and you shall possess the land with a question mark behind it. That's called having your wanting to have your cake and eat it too. So again, see what it's associated with. First uh, Samuel fourteen thirty two, and the people flew upon the spoil. Now this is when they, were, I believe, they were fighting in battle and they hadn't eaten. Good old Saul told them to fast before battle, which is not something you do. You fast maybe prior, but not prior, right prior to going out to battle. There's a time to fast, there's a time not to. But he was all messed up, obviously. He wasn't hearing from God. He wasn't tell, doing what Samuel was telling him to do anymore. He was doing that which was right in his own eyes, which is what it talks about in the book of Judges. Every man did that was right in his own eyes. That was what, what um, Saul was doing. And um, the, so his army... The people flew upon the spoil, they took the sheep, the oxen, and the calves, and they slew them on the ground. They were so hungry, and the people did eat them with the blood. It was forbidden. Everything Saul was telling them to do was not of God. He was being guided by the devil. Next verse. And they told Saul, saying, Behold, the people sin against the Lord, in that they eat with the blood. And he said, Ye have transgressed. Roll a great stone unto me this day. And Saul said... Disperse yourselves among the people and say unto them, Bring me hither every man his ox and every man his sheep and slay them here and eat and sin not against the Lord in eating with the blood. So he was kind of trying to cover it over at this point, but it was too late. And all the peoples brought every man his ox with him that night and they slew them there. And I'm, I'm sure that they drained the blood. There's a biblical way you slaughter an animal. And this has to do with kosher. When you see kosher, well that has to do with... Um, a Levitical way of slaughtering an animal. And essentially, I think like with an animal, you bring it up by its um, back feet and cut its throat, and the blood drains out through gravity. It's actually a very merciful way to slaughter an animal. But what they do now is they use these things called uh, captive stun bolts with cows, and the cow's there in the thing, and they fire this bolt into its head, and it's traumatized, and it sits there and it's the blood's not leaking out. It's just permeating the meat. So again, it's something that hardly anybody ever talks about, but um, um, I do have an attachment on that too. And I have covered this in previous studies, but um, anyway. Now let's look at some other verses that relate to this subject. Um, uh, again, I've, you've, uh, some of these you heard before, but this, if this is the first teaching, you, you need to hear these. Proverbs fourteen twelve and sixteen twenty five. Now, think of this Twilight series. Think of these Christians, and see they've got all these sheep Christians. So, if they're even saved, I, I, I believe a lot of them aren't, obviously. But they're basically um, following, like focus on the family and Christianity Today and all these organizations that are giving this Twilight series the big thumbs up. Okay? Well, cursed be the man that trusteth in man and that maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Jeremiah 17.5 You follow a man, you put your trust in that man instead of the word of God, and you bring yourself under a curse. 
And when you're under that curse, you don't see properly. You, your discernment starts to fade and fade. Proverbs 14.12 and 16.25 read, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. That's how these people are justifying this. They seems right. Proverbs 28.26 He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. But whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. You want deliverance? You walk wisely. How do you get wisdom? Fear of the Lord, for one. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Jeremiah 17.9 The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. There's no way you can justify this twilight series. Well, my heart, my heart says it's okay. It doesn't feel too bad. Your heart will deceive you essentially every time. Particularly if you're not under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. If you're not in the Word of God, if you're not praying and doing these other things involving daily sanctification. Here's an interesting verse, Proverbs 17.15. Now, think about these Christian ministries that are endorsing the Twilight series. He that justifieth the wicked and he that condemneth the just, even they both are an abomination to the Lord. Aren't they justifying the wicked when they recommend the Twilight series? These wicked ministries? The Word of God is their worst enemy. That's what's going to judge them. It's going to judge all of us. Jesus even said the Word of God will judge us. Isaiah 5.20 Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. Isn't that what we're doing? What everybody's doing, whether they be Christian or non-Christian, they're calling evil good and good evil. It's disgusting. It says, woe unto them that do this, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Psalm 94, 16. Who will rise up for me against the evildoers? I get people emailing me, oh, brother, you, you, you immature little devil, telling me that I'm... that." You know, basically telling me what my calling is. All your calling is to do is to get closer to God, and that's it. You don't have any right to go around judging these matters. And, I, and you know what I do? I just I email them back a laundry list of verses. And say, what do you do with these verses? Some of the ones we're, we're looking at right now. There's no balance in these, in these so-called Christians' lives. They, they don't look at any of this stuff. No, it's not my concern. That's just, you know, I'm just going to be ignorant of all of that. And I'm going to tell you what you need to do. Because I'm hearing from God and you're not. Even though there's clear scriptural scriptures in here that warn us about these things and tell us that we should reprove them and expose them and stay away from them. I don't get a lot of those, but I do get some. So, who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? That's what God's asking. Jesus even said, when I come back, will I find faith? Who's going to rise up for me against this? Now, I'm not saying I'm the, I'm the only one. Any one of you can do this, and, and I know there's several of you that are doing this. And there's different ways it can be done. It can be done through prayer can be done through fasting as well. Very powerful way. can be done by, you know, some people street preach. Some people pass out tracts. Some people go on the internet. It could be done by a pastor, but there's very few that I believe are properly doing. They're too far into the 501c3 system. It's 
blinded them in a lot of ways. Here's another verse. Titus 1, 15b and 16. Unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God. Think of these ministries that are recommending this twilight, How the, the discernment level. They profess they know God, but in works they deny Him. A tree is known by its fruit, in other words. Being abominable and disobedient and to every good work reprobate. Where it says about when Jesus says, you know, depart from me ye that worketh iniquity, I never knew you in the Bible. And it says, but God, haven't we done all these great and mighty works? We've cast out devils, we've done all these things. And he says, depart from me ye that worketh iniquity, I never knew you. They were never born again saved, number one. They were trusting in their own works to get them to heaven. It's obvious there. And they professed that they knew God, but in works they denied him. They were taking credit for it. See, all of our righteousness are as filthy rags in God's sight. I want the righteousness of Christ. I can only achieve that through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. His death, burial, and resurrection. His shed blood on the cross. I did a whole teaching on the true gospel and salvation. You can keyword search that. But see, God views their works as abominable disobedient and to every good work reprobate. And on the surface, it could seem like the one most wonderful thing in the world. They could be building missionaries. Chick's got a good track on that. It's called Flight 144. Flight 144. And it's about a Christian missionary that was on this plane and it goes down. And um, he's gets before God. He says, God, I did all these works. I built all these things. And he was trusting in those very things. He wasn't trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's what all the Catholics do, the trust in the works. What's all the people in all the other religions do too? They trust in works to get to wherever they think they're going to get. 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Instantly you may have to preach the word. May come up. Ask the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to bring these things into remembrance. It says reprove. We're gonna, what does reprove mean? Reprove means to blame, to convince a fault, or to make it manifest. What does it mean to make manifest? Mean to manifest it, to shed light on it, to expose it. Reprove. This is from the Noah Webster 1828 dictionary, which more accurately defines the words of the King James Bible than it does today, because Words meant different things back then. To blame, to convince a fault, to make manifest, to excite a sense of guilt. We're supposed to do that. And we've got a lot of Christians out there saying, oh no, judge not lest ye be judged. You can't judge any of these things. Well, I got some verses for you. That, number one, was to the hypocrite. The hypocrite's not supposed to judge. Why? He's got a beam in his own eye and he's judging the speck in his brothers. He has no right to judge. He's a hypocrite. That's hypocritical judgment, but the Bible has a lot to say about judgment, and we're going to look at that. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. That's what we're trying to do today. We're trying to meld this current event, and we're trying to show you doctrinally, biblically, with all long-suffering, how wrong and how abominable it is in the Lord Jesus Christ's sight. 
For the time will come when they will not endorse sound doctrine. Don't you think that's where we're at now? Sound doctrine? What's that? It's unbelievable what goes on in the Christian circles. It's just, you know, that's what I get into every week. doesn't mean I think I'm Mr. Perfect or Mr. Smarty Pants and I know everything. I'm just saying, it's just obvious what they're doing. They will not endorse sound doctrine. That's where we're at. There's going to come a time when they go run to and fro seeking God's word and they will not find it according to the book of Amos. That's where we're at. Partly in because they don't even have the right Bible. They've got a perverted Bible. Reference my teachings on the King James Bible to research that more. But they're running to and fro seeking the word of God and they're not finding it. And then it says... They will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Now, this would apply to all these false televangelists out there. They're heaping to themselves teachers having itching ears. They want to be told a fable or a story. Or the teacher could come in the form of a twilight book of whom a man has overcome the same he has brought into bondage. Well, if you read the Harry Potter, the twilight books, those have become your teachers. They were written... They were channeled, essentially. I know the Twilight series was channeled. And they shall turn away their ears from truth. What is truth? The Bible says, what is truth? It says, thy word is truth. If you continue in my word, Jesus said this, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That's how you get set free. Through the word of God, which is truth. The washing of the water of the word, which sanctifies you and sets you apart. Sanctification, to be made holy and set apart. They shall turn away their ears from truth and shall be turned unto fables. Isn't that what we're talking about? Isn't this a fable? This Twilight series? It's a fable. It's a channeled work from a devil through some wicked, ungodly Mormon woman set to paper. And the, and, the, and the Christians and the non-Christians are eating it up. I use that term Christians loosely. Colossians 2.8 Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. Isn't that what these books are doing? Philosophy and vain deceit? After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. So all you got to do is compare this Twilight series to the Word of God to know that it does not line up. Therefore, you don't mess with it. And you sure don't bring them into your house. You want to bring a big fat devil in your house? Go buy the Twilight series. Buy the DVDs. Devil included at no extra charge. I mean that literally. You're bringing a cursed object in your house. Get it out. You got rock music in your house? Get it out. I know I, do, I need to do a whole study on cursed objects. There's a lot of studies I need to do, but I'm so inundated now with this ministry and the email that it's very hard anymore because I'm just I've, I've only got so many hours in the day I was up till 3 o'clock last night doing the study um, literally and I'm not saying that so you feel sorry for me or whatever I don't know what I ask you to pray for me but um, it's, it's, it's very challenging but praise the Lord he's given me the strength to do it I'm not complaining I'm just saying it's just a lot so Colossians 2.8 beware lest any man's oh we already read that First uh, Timothy 4, 1 and 2, you hear me quote this verse a lot. Now the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, speaketh expressly that in the latter times, which is where we're at now, some shall depart from the faith, 
giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, this is what the Twilight series is, speaking lies and hypocrisy, and having their conscience seared with hot iron. You stay in this stuff, your conscience will become seared with a hot iron. Things that used to bother you won't bother you anymore. And you'll wonder, why? It used to bother me. It doesn't bother me now. I guess I'm, I guess I'm above that. Why? Now, because you're glorying in your shame, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. You're glorying in your shame. It doesn't bother me. We're so spiritual that I can glory in my shame now. It's not the way the Bible looks at it. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I mean, that's a, that's a strong, that's strong doctrine there. That's meat. Something's very rarely ever preached in, and it talks about turning such an one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the soul may be saved in the day of the Lord. I've done a whole teaching on that. Turning such an one over to Satan is the, is the, uh, you can key that under my, that's something that's never preached. If that was practiced in the churches, well, they'd probably have to start with the pastor. Just about every time. <laughs> and what that tells me is that the absolute vast majority of the 501c3 corporate pastors out there, not everyone, I'm not saying everyone, but most of them, the vast majority, you'd almost have to start with them first. Turn, turn such a one over to Satan. That's the sad state of affairs the church is in. They should be warning you about this, not me. I mean, I understand that, yes, there's different callings and things like that but these are things that should be people should be warned about and they're not why though they lose a lot of money they lose members this is this is too heavy duty for them you know they they want to just have their ears tickled they want to hear about the love of god the big guy in the sky how a lot of people refer to him as or they think of him as their heavenly bellhop they ring a bell and they get what they want it's like the secret new age name it and claim it i did a teaching on that as well it's an abomination to God. So, let's go further. Ephesians 5, 11, 13 through 16. Here's what it says. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. We're not supposed to have fellowship with them. You bring this stuff into your house, you go to a movie and you watch this stuff, you're having fellowship with it. And you're giving money to Hollywood. Hollywood. When you go to the movies and you pay for this. And they can do all of their sound of silence, subliminal in-bed technology, and have a captive audience. And you get to watch all the ungodly previews as well. And you get to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That's why I don't go to movies. I'm not saying I've never watched a movie, but I don't go and pay. I haven't been to a movie in years. I'm just erring on the side of safety. doesn't mean I think I'm Mr. Perfect. I'm just saying I'm erring on the side of safety. Okay, but rather reprove them. These are the unfruitful works of darkness. But all things that are reproved, now remember, reprove means to blame, to convince of fault, to make manifest, to excite a sense of guilt. So all things that are reproved are made manifest, according to the definition. Well, it says it, I'm sorry. All things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. Isn't that what we as Christians are called to be? Salt and light. Salt is a preservative. It is a potential irritant. As I said, salt purges toxins out of meat. I don't ever thought of that. Salt purges things as well. Um, it gives savor to food. 
we are compared to, you know, let our light so shine before men that all men will see and declare, you know, the things of God. Don't keep your light under a bushel basket. Well, that's, that's another uh, indicator here. So think, all things are reproved and made manifest by the light. Light always exposes darkness. You light a candle in the room, there's not enough darkness in the universe to extinguish one candle. Darkness in and of itself can't extinguish a candle. Just think, think something to think about. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest. And there's a lot of people asleep in the church. So-called church. And arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Isn't that what we're talking today? We're shedding light on the unfruitful works of darkness. We're making them manifest. We're reproving them. Christ shall give thee light. It's something that you should pray for. People say, well, how did you learn all this stuff? I didn't go to a cemetery to learn this. I mean, a seminary. I didn't go to that. I, I wouldn't have got this there. I'm sorry. I'm not saying all seminaries are bad. I'm just saying most of them are all in the 501c3 corporate model. They tell the preachers, oh, you got to go get your licensing from the state to preach. And none of this has any biblical precedent. I've done a whole study on several studies. Just key in 501c3 on your uh, keyword search box on the homepage and access the PDF. Satan's master plan to destroy the church. One of the main cogs is this incorporation licensing issue. And then it says, see then that you walked, the Bible says, see ye then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools. So in other words, if you're not walking circumspectly, you're probably walking as a fool. What does that word circumspectly mean in the 1828 Noah Webster Dictionary? Circumspectly means to walk cautiously, with watchfulness every way, with attention to guard against the surprise or danger. Oh, we're just supposed to flip through life and have no judgment toward anything, according to a lot of Christians. How do you walk circumspectly and reprove things, which the Bible commands us to do, without judging? How do you do that? You can't. It's impossible. And again, judge not lest ye be judged only applies to the hypocritical believer. And we're going to see some other verses that relate to this. So we're supposed to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise redeeming the time because the days are evil. Remember, the night cometh when no man can work. I must work the works of him that sent me. The night cometh when no man can work. That's what Jesus Christ said. I'm telling you, the night's coming. And the night can come in different forms. I mean, let's say all of a sudden they shut down the internet. Let's say we go into martial law. Internet's gone. The next internet that comes up is totally controlled by Big Brother. Well, you know... I'm off the air. I don't know if God will open another door. Maybe maybe it won't happen. This might be the last broadcast you ever hear from me. I don't know. Then my ministry will be much more locally oriented. It will have to be. It won't be like it is now on a global scale. Um, and the Lord's blessed it. I'm not taking credit for any of it. So, what does Matthew 24, 24 say? If it were possible, regard, and this is the end times, they shall deceive the very elect. A lot of these people that are unfortunately deceived are saved. But they're deceived, and Satan wants to keep them that way. 2 Corinthians 2.11 Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Isn't that what we're talking about? 
well, if we're ignorant of twilight and all a lot of these other things, can he get an advantage of us? The Bible says it right here. Can you still be destroyed for lack of knowledge? According to Hosea 4.6. And then the Bible says in Hosea 4.6, Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee and thy children. So it's very risky thing to reject true knowledge. Knowledge that God's trying to show you. According to Hosea 4.6. 1 Corinthians 2.15 But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Isn't that what we're doing today? Do you understand that there's a... You can look at this and say, okay, okay. I understand. There's a judgment that is hypocritical where you have a beam in your own eye and you're judging the speck in your brother's. That's when you judge not lest you be judged. You get the beam out of your own eye and then become, you know, well, you got to be saved. But he who is spiritual judgeth all things. Jesus said, now this is what Jesus Christ said, John seven twenty four: judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. So a lot of these people are looking at this twilight thing, and you'll see from these reviews, well, we think it's good. It's okay. There's, a, there's so much justification. They're judging by their own, unfortunately, most likely unsaved mind, judging the appearance of this twilight series, and they're judging it as something good. But Jesus said, judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. How do you do that? You judge it against the word of God which is the anvil of truth. The Twilight series would be crushed on the anvil of truth called the Word of God because there's so many things that are contradictory to the Word of God. Okay, easy enough there. Um, Romans 16, 17, and 18. Now I beseech ye therefore, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned. Isn't that what we're doing today? We're marking some of these ministries and it says, I beseech you, I, I'm imploring you. How many times do you see that verse quoted from the pulpit? Which caused division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned. We're, we're, this is all contrary to the doctrine of the Bible, of the Word of God. We're doing what the Bible says us to do. And then it says, and avoid them. What if you're in a church that's doing this? You're supposed to avoid them. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye not partakers of her plagues. I believe that these 501c3 corporate churches are going to go right into the horror system of the one world religion. They're going to become part of it. They're becoming more and more and more corrupted as time goes by. Well, it wasn't that bad 40 years ago. Yeah, well, devils had 40 years to work on them. Evil men and seducers are waxing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. You have wolves in sheep's clothing. You have... Satan, who can be transformed into an angel of light, and it's no marvel that his ministers can be transformed into ministers of righteousness. These preachers, for the most part, are hirelings that have no true love for the sheep, but the true shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. But not these. Hireling is somebody that's doing it for the money. He's doing it for the hire. Now again, I'm not condemning every single pastor out there, but I am saying the majority. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious. So we're supposed to mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them, for they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. What does that mean? That means that they serve their own carnal appetites. Carnal, remember flesh? We talked about that. 
They were serving their own carnal desires, their own flesh. A lot of that's the love of money has is the root of all evil. And by good words, this is how they deceive, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Oh, he sounds like such a godly man in the pulpit. I know he never talks about any of this. And I know he's 501c3, and I know he has every license on the planet. And, and I know he never gets into these types of issues, and all I ever hear is the love of God, and nothing about the judgment of God, or the fear of God, or anything of that. But he sounds so godly. Well, you know what? You're under his spell. Of whom a man is overcome, the same he is brought into bondage. If you're under a ministry's bondage, I don't care if it's a TV minister, whether it's a TV or, or it's one of these organizations like these Focus of the Family or Christianity Today, or whether it's a magazine. If that's where you go and you trust in that over the Word of God, what the clear outline in the Word of God is, then, you know, I'm sorry, but by good words and fair speeches, they're deceiving your heart. And the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And just because you get saved doesn't mean that you can't be deceived or that your heart's still not desperately wicked. Okay? Jeremiah 48.10 Cursed be he that doeth the work of the Lord deceitfully. How many times you hear that one quoted? Cursed be he that doeth the work of the Lord deceitfully? Well, how, that's... Great example. These ministries that I mentioned, Smiley, Joel Osteen, Benny Hinn, Creflo Gimme a Dollar, TD Fakes, all those guys. You name it. They're doing the work of the Lord deceitfully. Jeremiah 7.28, But thou shalt say unto them, This is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God, nor receiveth correction. Truth is perished and is cut off from their mouth. They don't, we don't obey the voice of the Lord in this nation as a, the, uh, for the most part. They don't receive correction. You can't tell them what to do. It's a free country. I can do whatever I want to do. they got no fear of God. Truth is perished and is cut off from their mouth. There's no truth. Because they, they won't receive correction and they don't obey. There's no judgment. There's no righteous judgment. He was spiritual, judgeth all things. Judge righteous judgment. They don't do that. Psalm 97.10 says, Ye that love the Lord hate evil. We're supposed to hate evil. We're supposed to hate the Twilight series books if we love the Lord. How do you get by that verse alone? Reading the Twilight verse. I mean, they're evil. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. James 4.4, 4, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Enmity means war. You're against God. If you're friends... Hey, hey I'm sorry. If you're, if you're embracing this Twilight books, you are a friend of the world. Just look, look at the crowd that you're hanging with. with the, and I'm, I'm going to get into that next study. We're not done with the study yet. But, um... You're going to see how much a friend of the world these people that are obsessed with this twilight are. 1 Thessalonians 5.22 We're supposed to abstain from all appearance of evil. We're supposed to abstain from that. Why? That the devil cannot bring a reproach against us or, or to, to accuse us 
or, you know, somebody sees you going into a pornography store, that's not abstaining from all appearance of evil. Somebody sees you going into a bar and you call yourself a born-again Christian, that's not abstaining from all appearance of evil. Now, I understand, maybe there would be an extenuating circumstance, you know, with a bar, like, let's say, I don't know, somebody called you from the bar and he was wanting to... I understand there's extenuating circumstances, okay? But just saying for the most part, you don't want to be seen going in to those types of places because it hurts your witness. And if maybe somebody was really looking up to you and, uh, and again, I'm not saying this because I think I'm Mr. Perfect because I know I've done things to tarnish my witness in the past, okay? But, I, and this applies as much to me as it would anyone else, but if somebody sees you and they were, let's say, looking up to you and you do something, you become and you've put a stumbling block before your brother. The Bible says not to do that, that they might stumble and fall. You hurt their faith. Because see, our actions affect other people. Romans 13, 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. I think that kind of relates to the full armor of God. And make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. We're not supposed to make provision for the flesh, the carnal desires, to fulfill the lust thereof. So, we're going to go ahead and stop there for today. And um, we'll pick up the study next week on the Twilight. And we'll probably got at least another, oh boy, I don't know, maybe another two parts to go. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time that you've given us. I praise you, Lord God, for your goodness and your mercy. For all, Lord God, of the grace that you've bestowed upon us. I thank you, Lord God, for my listeners. I do pray, God, for them and for Nunetta and Taylor and, Lord God, our families. I pray, Lord God, that you would save our unsaved family members' souls, Lord God, for it's your will that not one would perish, Lord, but all would come to repentance. I do pray you'd save their souls, Lord God, if it be possible, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit and your angelicos, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord God. I pray, God, that you would forgive us for any and all sins we have committed in any way, shape, or form, that you would wipe our slate clean, that, Lord God, as we forgive those who have sinned against us, that you would cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults that they would not have dominion over us, and that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable and pleasing in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Pray, God, you bless this message wherever your word is being preached worldwide. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we ask all these things. Amen.